Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am joined by Kate Langston, uh, Westminster correspondent for the Yorkshire Post. Hello. Yes, you heard that right. Change from last time you were on. Committed an act of regional treachery. Is that what it's, it's all right? That's okay, isn't it? Is that a know. bad thing? I don't I know. Know. Is that like a, a, an enmity between Yorkshire and Cornwall? Is that a, some sort of historic issue there? It's kind of, of an it, issue yeah. between Yorkshire and everywhere, isn't yeah. it? And similarly, and Cornwall. Cornwall. And yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and um, I am also delighted to be joined again uh, for the first time in this incarnation of the podcast. I cannot believe it's taken this long, but she's here now. It's Kirsty Blackman, SNP MP for Aberdeen North. Well done. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with this. There you go, lap it up, lap up the jingles you while you're laughing. Have copyrighted? Uh, yes. You should. Um, I'm going to do some new ones. I've promised to do some new ones over Christmas. There's going to be new ones for 2017. So, you know, lap up the party horn while you can. Uh, although the party horn will probably still be involved. Um, Prime Minister's Questions today was not Prime Minister's Questions at all. It was some random people's questions. Uh, David Liddington for the government. Who's he? Um, which you know, I think even people in Parliament were going, who's David Livington? Liddington, weren't they? He's the leader of the House. Well, the leader of the House steps in to represent the Prime Minister, Prime Minister's questions, if there's no Deputy Prime Minister and no First Secretary of State. So there's an interesting thing. Uh, does it sort of demonstrate that Theresa May wants to dominate her government, that she doesn't have a First Minister of State or a Deputy well, Prime Minister? Well, I think Philip Hammond is actually First Secretary of State, but he was well, unavailable too. There's some confusion about this, isn't there? Well, I'm not really I mean, sure, yeah. I know it's a very much a Westminster bubble story, but nobody can quite work out if he is First Secretary or not. He is, and then he's not. Well, David Liddington is apparently Leader of the House, which doesn't attract a ministerial salary. Oh, really? Which is why he's also something like First Lord of the Privy Seal or something. Oh, okay. uh, so which does. <laughs> right, but he still has to do PMQs. Um... Yes, he was on the government side. Uh, well, let's talk about him first. I thought he was pretty lame. Would you agree, Kate? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, kind of, he wasn't bad. He wasn't. But... Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't bad, and that he he has got a kind of a, something of a reformer about him. Mm. Um, but it didn't help that I think just facing the speaker that much um, yeah. throughout PMQs really does make a difference in terms of I think someone I saw someone on Twitter saying that it basically looks like he's pleading to the leader every yeah. time he's answering a question rather than challenging the opposition it is what you're supposed to do of course you're supposed to channel you talk to the speaker you're supposed to be speaking through the speaker but yeah it looked mm. a bit odd I thought he started off kind of more um, calm and like natural yes mm. um, he was he was seemed like he was you know making up the answers as he went along rather than just kind of reading something mm-hmm. out um, but then he got a bit riled he got a bit um, excitable, a bit later didn't he? He, he did. seemed like a sort of, uh, just a sort of excitable chap. Really. He tends towards that. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it, I, I, I don't think he does kind of the polished answers that somebody's handed him in a brief, having had him before Scottish Affairs Committee. No. Um, he answers what he thinks is the right answer rather than what his officials have told him is the right answer, okay. which is an interesting person to have yeah. in Leader of the House. Yes, and could be a problem at Prime Minister's questions conceivably. But he yes. negotiated it safely, he didn't do any gaffes. No. And I would say he was about the same level as Theresa May, which is a bit meh, really. Yeah. Possibly even a little bit more, kind of. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. tiny bit more energy in there yeah. than um, 
Meanwhile, on the other side, we had Emily Thornberry for mm. no apparent reason. Anybody know why we had Emily Thornberry? She's it's, not deputy, deputy leader of the Labour Party is Tom Watson. I don't know if they have a first secretary. Is she not the shadow leader of the House now? No, that's Or is Valerie that still Vaz. Valerie Vaz? She's Thornberry's shadow foreign secretary, isn't she? They keep changing and I keep getting so confused. <laughs> well, that's true, yes. Um, I don't think they know. She but, does have the nicest voice of any MP. She does, and she was pretty good. I yes, would say. Yeah, well, she, uh, was she good or is it just relative to Jeremy Corbyn? Because <laughs> I think Jeremy Corbyn has kind of shone in the last couple of weeks compared to previous weeks, right? Um, <laughs> you, you can't hear the, the strange look I'm giving Kate at the idea that Jeremy Corbyn's shone. Okay. I don't know, he's, he's, he's put a bit more kind of fire in his, his kind of answers and the way that he's kind of approaching it. Yes. Um, but I thought she did have a, over over Littlington and um, just in terms of other people that could have done the job I think she does have a kind of a calm and authority when she gets to the dispatch box it might be all in the voice I don't know but it does seem to make a difference and a bit of, yeah there's a bit of theatre as well I mean this is what Corbyn you can I mean I get your point that Corbyn's been better in the last few weeks but I think Thornbury showed that he's still rubbish like really rubbish he just reads out questions even if he's now reading out the right questions Whereas she's got a bit of theatre and um you know, there was, uh, she said at one point, she went, oh dear, oh dear, to David Liddington. It was, you know, all right. But Corbyn too much can only, Jeremy Corbyn can only work on one thing at a time. Yeah. So he's now answering the, asking the right questions. Maybe, you know, after Christmas, he'll come back and he'll begin to be able to deliver them a bit better. Do you think so? No. No, exactly. <laughs> um, I live in hope. Thornbury was like a, a breath of fresh air and that she actually knew what she was doing and she'd read, done the homework and she did good <laughs> questions and... Uh, and she was asking about Brexit, of course, um, which was a bit of a problem for Liddington because the government hadn't really got an answer, right? Mm. And so. because Liddington, Liddington was really strongly in favour of Remain. Yes. Um, and so I think it's a kind of a difficult role for him to take answering questions on Brexit because he was such a strong Remainer in advance, not like Theresa May. Yes, well, indeed, yes. Um, should we just call him whatever we want? I think we've now called him Livington, Lidlington, Diddlington. Um. This could be a thing. Let's just uh, the leader of the house. Yes, Dave, <laughs> David. Um, and we've got a Brexit debate this afternoon, uh, which is going to go nowhere now, right? Because the government have sort of said yes, we'll give a plan about what we're going to do in our negotiations, but they haven't really got a plan well, at all, have they? Have you seen the amendment put forward by the government? This is the one that says we will. What, the one that says we will give a plan, but it won't. No, the amendment no. on the amend on the order paper um, says that we will. The government says that Parliament agrees that um, Article Fifty should be invoked by the end of March, um, and basically, I, if that goes through, yeah, and that is um, considered Parliament's consent. Oh right. Um, then Ooh. there's going to be riots. Oh, is there yeah. really going to be riots? Well, yes. <laughs> By whom? By Remainers? By those people that are bringing the court cases and that are following the court case and that are hugely in supportive of the court case. Um, you know, you cannot have a, an amendment to an opposition day debate yes. actually setting policy. This is true. Um, is it, do you think that's what they're up to? They're trying to pull a fast one? Well, given um, the Leader of the House's answer on it, um, he said that the amendment is about agreeing the, yeah. the timetable yeah. and anybody who votes against the amendment is trying to thwart the will of the British people. Yeah. Um, so, well, it sounds like that's where he's positioning So themselves. they're going to lose the court case and then go, ah, well, we've done consent anyway. Next. Can, can you imagine if they did? That would be... Everybody would be... be quite cute, in a way. ...bringing their hands and uh, running around. I would suggest <laughs> that they're smarter than perhaps they're being given credit for over Brexit. Or luckier. 
I mean, mm. in his opening words, Keir Starmer was setting out the, the argument that this is not them giving consent to triggering Article yeah. 50. It's not them giving consent. And I suppose I'm, I'm right in saying that it, either way, it's not a, an opposition debate. It's non-binding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, d- I don't know. I feel if that's if they've put that yes, on the record true. to a sense, yeah. you can... There's the, there's the gesture of it. If an MP has, has, in theory, backed it, they can't then turn around several months later and say, well, actually, you know, change your mind because blah. Yeah. Um, but... That's kind of yeah. the same, Yeah, votes and bind, a, a vote, a binding vote. Does it have to be, oh, man, it's going to get complicated. I don't really spotted that, I confess. Um, but, yeah, lots of Brexit at PMQs and also Philippa Whitford giving a plug for the new Star Wars film because there's going to be spaceships coming to Scotland. I love questions about spaceports. It always sounds completely ridiculous, the idea that it's going to be a spaceport. It's amazing. Dr. Philippa Whitford, this amazing, phenomenal breast cancer surgeon who's got huge interest in all things medical and spaceports. Yeah. And she's a proper proper Trekkie, isn't she? Um, she, I've had this discussion before with one of your number. Why do the SNP love Star Trek so much? Why do other people not? Because it's... Yeah. I, I, I was about to slag it off, and I thought, well, I don't want to upset you the Star Trek You can't slag audience. off Star Trek. Oh, come on, it's rubbish, isn't it's it? It's not. It always was rubbish, but it's sort of been around so long that people are going to give it more credit than it's due. No. Yeah. No, it's just Those good. Those sets, man, they were rubbish. You know, <laughs> James Kirk running around and, you know, big polished diving bombs Have you not watched stuff. any of the kind of more recent Star Trek? No, I haven't. That's true. Because Voyager I, was I grew very up good, with, and with, Enterprise. Well, I grew up with the first one, and it was rubbish, so why would I start watching the other And the Star Trek ones? films have been fab. Oh, come on. They, they were great fun. The one where old Shatner's got his wig and he's running around California talking to whales or something. What's that one? Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the names. Return but to Earth for some reason. They're very good, oh, yeah, the would, films. I would <laughs> dispute it. I don't understand And hey, it. if we're bringing a spaceport to Scotland with lots of jobs, then that is good. Well, that is true. Uh, and with lots of spaceships. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be amazing. That's an exciting uh, byproduct. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, the, the response, I think it was Carol Mona and I asked about it, and she just said, oh, it's because the SMP are cool. <laughs> Did she? That's why we like Star Trek. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a definition <laughs> like, of cool. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we're not going to get a Star Wars Star Trek. I went to an event about tax last night. You're um, cool. I'm really cool. And one of the guys said to me that tax advisors are really cool. They're like the rock stars of today. Um... <laughs> Was he, he very, himself very a tax advisor? He was a tax advisor. <laughs> he did say there was free beer at this event, so that might explain what he was talking about. I didn't have um, any, I hasten to add. I don't think there was anything else particularly interesting at PMQs, to be honest. Was there? It was all about mm, I mean, there any big out, issues. I think. Yeah. Well, the, the, um, some decent questions. But job centres in oh, Glasgow. Yeah. What was um, really surprising about that was that David Liddington hadn't heard about the job centre closures. Yes, you'd have thought somebody um, would have warned him that was coming because it's yeah. pretty obvious it was coming from the SM, somebody on the SNP, especially Patrick Grady. You know, yeah, exactly. So I was, I wonder, somebody tweeted me to say perhaps his officials intentionally didn't brief him so that he couldn't say anything. Ah, yes, uh, plausible deniability. He yes. could give an honest answer. Ah, OK. Um, yeah, the one thing I thought funny about that, and I, I, it's not really controversial, but the way... Both Angus and Angus Robertson, because he raised it, uh, and Patrick Grady, the gigantic baby man. Um, you can't say that. He looks like a gigantic baby. That's not uh, nice. That is a fact. Uh, they both sort of talked about deprivation in Glasgow like it's inevitable. Uh, that, I thought, you know, they went, oh, Glasgow is some of the worst deprived areas in, in the country, as if this is a, a given fact. And I was like, I don't know, it just kind of jarred a bit. So like, do something about it then. Well, I suppose if you're not in control of um, welfare or um, growing the economy. Um, then it's kind of down to the Tories to do it, who are um, well, really not managing very well, at, you know, providing a welfare safety net or growing the economy. Um, it seems unlikely that 
the Tories are going to do much to help Glasgow. There's not yes. a lot of Tory votes there, as far as I can <laughs> see. Um, Which shouldn't be the reason that political parties help places. No, but it is. It's rubbish, isn't it? Well, yeah, but there you go. That's, it's the, you know, it's the old story in it. Democracy is the least worst situation system we've got. Yeah. Um, since we're talking about Scotland, let's talk about schools, because you are from the SNP, and the SNP are rubbish at running schools. Um, worst results in history, although history only goes back as 2000 for these particular, <laughs> these particular <laughs> tables. Um, it's bad, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, Scotland basically invented education. It's a bit embarrassing that schools there are now worse than English ones for a start. I mean, we came into the... I, I'm obviously not in the Scottish Parliament, no. um, but the manifesto that we stood on um, this year, yes. the Scottish Parliamentarians, yes. um, was recognised the problems in the Scottish education system and said we will do what we can to make it better, particularly in relation to um, things like exam results for the most deprived communities. Yeah. So um, I suppose this is the actual results that back up that assertion that we made in the in the manifesto. Um, you know, we said that we need to do more. Yes. And this is kind of a, um, empirical data that proves that we need to do yes. more. Yes, um, that's one way of putting it. Or proves that you've not been doing very well for the last eight, nine years I know, well, it, as a party. I suppose we're probably only just beginning to see the first children come right through the system. You know, if we've only been in for eight or nine years, the children that started primary school yeah. have only just hit secondary school now. Um, mm. under our watch if you like yeah. um, and we've been implementing the curriculum for excellence that was put in by the previous government mm-hmm. um, and things like that so you know there has been kind of changes in the education system but absolutely you know we hold our hands up and say yep we need to do more Is John Swinney the man to fix it? Because John Swinney is the man who as leader of the SNP was rubbish like really rubbish um, he then was election supremo last year and the SNP lost their majority in Holyrood and now he's in charge of education. It's almost impossible to get a majority in Holyrood, so it was a surprise that we had one rather than a surprise yeah, that we Swinney, lost it. John Swinney's what? However, is, John, Swinney John Swinney was Discuss. in charge of the pennies. Um, he was in charge of finance, and he yes. did a very good job at being in charge of finance, and yeah. hardly anybody disputes that. If you think about the fiscal framework oh, yeah, but agreement on. that we got... It was easy in those days, because uh, we didn't have a fiscal framework. You just got given some pennies and then had to dole them We had out. a fiscal framework before, just well, not right, like we do now. Right. Yeah. Um, so the fiscal framework was, was on his watch. He did a huge amount of good in terms of negotiating the fiscal framework. Um, so, yes, I think he's... I highly rate John Swinney, um, okay. and I hope that he can make as big a difference as he intends to. Well, again, the empirical data suggests he's pants. No, it doesn't. Given those results. I mean, you know... He's only been he's in post nice man, since but, May. Well, you know, I've <laughs> you given you examples. You can't blame him for last year's exam results. Well, he's the man. He's the boss at the moment, so, you know, he's got to take the... Take this the is how it works can, in politics. People yeah. get the blame for things that were done before they were in. Well, um, yeah, it's something your party would never get involved in at all, would they? I'm sure everybody gets involved in Yeah, exactly. Um, Just on the schools, Kate, I mean, I don't know how Yorkshire schools, Yorkshire's not a country, so they wouldn't be in the the figures. But it was a bit lame, wasn't it? Essentially, the Department of Education's result answer to England being, well, they're behind, like, Vietnam and Poland, although it's slightly racist, going, oh, oh, no, we must be, we're behind even Vietnam, like, that's some sort of bad thing. Um, But England just went, yeah, well, we're better than Scotland and Wales. So shut up. So, yeah, but that's, that's just kind of really default the government response of, well, it's not as bad as when this happened or it's yeah. not as bad as this, when they've got nothing else to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the trouble. It was a bit of a lame one. Um, since you're here, Kirsty, you are house, still House of Lords spokesperson. I'm still you're House of Lords spokesperson. Um, 
and the House of Lords have been having a debate this week. They have. About making themselves smaller, making fewer of them, not making smaller lords. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, you'd, you'd like that. Come on, then, over here. Yeah, you'd like smaller people around, right? Uh, younger lords then would be good. Then you'd be, be able good. to see more. Um, <laughs> well, there's lots of younger lords, because this is the part of the problem, isn't it? David Cameron has given there's lots of lordships lots of younger to lords. His... I think there's only one that's under 45. No, there's more than that. David the Cameron, average age like... is 67. All right, but there's younger ones because David Cameron like made like he's a spokesman, a lord and stuff. And there's he, only when he there's a, there's only a couple of them that are yeah. I, I none of them are you my could fit age. Them all in a <laughs> lift or in this tidy studio, they could all yes. fit in together. The ones that are under forty five, but um, but that's a good sign, right? They're they're discussing making themselves smaller, so that's good. Yes, it is good. They are, however, I only heard one of them on Monday in the debate discussing an elected. House of Lords. Yes. Um, so they want to continue to be appointed. Is that the SNP um, position? I mean, what do you want? I know you love slagging off the House of Lords. What do you actually want to replace it with? An elected house. A entirely elected house. Entirely elected house. Okay. So, uh, and how big would this house be? Well, that those bits are genuinely up for debate. I think okay. everybody's got a huge number of different points of view, and there's a number of different points of view about how you can elect them, how long you should elect them for, and what yeah. areas they should represent. So, do you have kind of each of the so Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales and England each get 20 lords. A Senate of the Re- Nations um, and Regions. Something like that. Or you could have um, the Irish system has experts. Yes. So um, they have, I, I understand these experts are elected. So they put forward, say, five educational experts and people vote and pick the top three. Okay. And those three are the ones that get to sit in the House of Lords as educational experts. So some people argue about the fact that they say that the lords are there because they're experts in certain fields. Yeah. Um, which I'm it's sure, true. I'm sure they are. Um, on the day they are elected, the day they are they are appointed, and then yeah. they are not currently a practicing teacher, so and they haven't been a teacher for twenty five years. So well, some of them are, though, aren't they? And then you complain when they're not there when they actually go off to do their actual jobs. I don't think very many of them are actually in professions. Most of them run well, businesses. And I don't know. You should know. Like you're the spokesperson. Well, having looked through some of the registers of interests. Oh, well, I bet you. Have. Um, I, m- most of them don't seem to be employed. Okay. Um, but given you don't like the House of Lords, shouldn't yes. you have a fully worked up alternative? Why do we need it? No, the the alternative is an elected chamber, and then we will support whatever will achieve that aim. I don't think you need to dictate to people, and I think if we're looking for people to agree, hmm. um, then what we need to say to people is what is the most important thing for you okay. in terms of a, a House of Lords. Our, our proposal for an independent Scotland is a unicameral system. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, all right, let's not get involved in that. That's that's all very hypothetical. Um, and there's also issues about whether Scotland should have some sort of revising chamber or system that's kicking around these days increasingly. Yeah, because quite a few the, people have spoken about... Because of the SNP majority in the last parliament screwing up the um, committee committees. system, which everybody agrees it did, even though obviously it worked out perfectly well for you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much like here, there's no, uh, no reason to fix it because it's working well for the government as a rule. Um, do you love the House of Lords, Kate? You are a, a parliamentary reporter. You've got to love the House of Lords because it's if you're desperate for a story, there's yeah, always something I, there. I was in fact I've been speaking to someone today about it and about um, the debate on Monday, um, and I was I put to him that you know Monday was proof that turkeys do occasionally vote for Christmas, <laughs> and um, they basically said it was an act of self-preservation. They uh, mm. colour few to save the many. Yeah. Kind of approach. Um, 
But um, I was just going to ask you actually whether the SNP have ever kind of been in discussions with the Dems about their stance on on the Lords, just because they're pro an elected yeah. second chamber. Is that something that's ever been on the books, or was it I, kind of early days for those discussions? I think we um, agree quite a lot with the Lib Dems around the the House of Lords. Um, I, the Lib Dems really annoy me around the House of Lords because they, they've got this position of supporting an elected second chamber but they don't shout about it too much because they've got so many peers um, and you know so many of them see a future career path um, in the House of Lords um, that I think that although they've got this kind of position that I agree with I think that they don't make it as, as loud as they could. Yeah. I was actually talking to um, Chris Bryant um, on Monday, oh. um, who used to be the shadow leader of the House for the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that one of his first campaigns when he was elected was getting rid of the House of Lords and replacing it with an elected yeah. chamber. So there are kind of voices all round um, who support abolishing the Lords and having an elected chamber instead. Um, but probably not enough voices. Yeah. So. Um, I've just discovered that that debate on Monday went on longer than I thought. I thought I'd read it all in hindsight, but I've just I've discovered there's a whole chunk I've missed, including Lord Fowkes' contribution, which I'm sure would have been uh, hugely entertaining. Um, any highlights from that, that debate that stuck out for you? Um, I didn't. I managed to miss um, Lord Forsyth's speech. Well, that was the best one. But quite a few people spoke about his speech, and yes. I saw them speaking about it. So I understand that that was... Um, Interesting. Somebody called him a member of the awkward squad. Yeah, well, somebody said, how come we always hear from the same people in the Lords? Maybe that's a problem. And then Lords Forsyth got up and was like, I think they're talking about you. Um, <laughs> he then told the story about how he went to a wedding last summer. He didn't know many people there. Mm-hmm. Found himself on a round table for 12, right? Too much information, right? He sat at the far side of the table, leaned across. Somebody sat at the far side and leaned across and said, Michael, are you still involved in frontline politics? I said, no, not at all, but I do try and do my bit in the House of Lords. To this, he said, oh, I expect you're like the others. You turn up for five minutes and claim your £300. Right, that is a good opening gambit at a wedding conversation, isn't it? <laughs> you know, turns out the people Michael Forsyth goes to weddings to are all as objectionable as him. I mean, man must be a wedding. God well, me. One of the most interesting things about the debate on Monday was um, they were talking about how the average attendance... So the average yes, number of people that sign right. in yeah, this is, is apparently fact. 469. 497. 497, I was close. So I was standing at the bar of the house and thought I would count the number of people that were sitting in the seats. Yeah. Because I've been in the House of Lords relatively often and that was quite busy on yeah. Monday. I've not often seen it that busy. How many folks do you think were sitting there? Oh, about 50. 150. Oh, okay. So 150 people were sitting. Where were the other 300? Well, that's the average attendance, though. So there must be days when all 800 turn up, but that'll just be for votes. We'd have thought that would be a day that. It was a busy day. I've not seen the chamber that busy. Mm. I thought that was a good stat, but you kind of just uh, bust it there. Sorry. (laughs) Well, you guys are always going on about how it's the biggest chamber in the world and it's got 800, was it 845 lords? Yes. But that's not a relevant figure if only 497 turn up. Yes. But as you pointed out, I've never seen it with 497 people in it, ever. No, I don't... So those big attendances must just be for votes when they bring Andrew Lloyd Webber over. No, they York. must just pitch up and sign in and toddle off again. Oh, well, yeah, there is that, I suppose. Yeah, there's certainly a few up to that, isn't there? Um, but it's good for stories, right, Kate? Yeah. And there's and good people in there. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there are some, yeah, there are some really interesting people there that you can speak to and that do have a wealth of knowledge. But yeah. I suppose the debate is whether they should necessarily be having a role in the legislative process and whether they should be kind of on a... 
quite a reliable potential semi payroll. Yeah. For it. Oh, it's a, I'd love to be a lord, man. That's brilliant. What do you get? Three hundred pound a day. Yeah. Just for turning up. I'm and still. You don't have to do much. I'm I mean, still you can do angry. Much. I'd, I'd do. If I was a lord, I would do. I'd get. I'd do three hundred pounds worth of work. Every Ooh, day. Would you? That's not that much, is it? If I was like really clever enough to be a lord, I was like sort of somehow special. Like, You're like, yeah. So, so I'll do three hours work. And yeah, that, you know, hundred pounds an hour. Yeah, but I'd say something right. really clever in that time. You I'd wouldn't make... get. You wouldn't get picked to talk every day. Well, Lord Forsyth seems to. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> yeah, he does those. And people would rather hear me talk than him. Maybe he only speaks. <laughs> in I'm debates. willing to put my neck out on that one. Maybe he only speaks in debates that people like me and you are interested. Well, in. Well, that's true. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what else he's got to do with his time. You know, he hasn't got weddings to go to because it was horrible to him when he goes there. Um, Okay, so, but nothing's going to happen on the House of Lords, is it? You're going to be sitting here in three years' time, still going, the House of Lords is rubbish. Yes. Would you like to change? I'm not sure I'll change be brief here in, in three years' time. We might have independence by then, James. Oh, we might do. Are we gonna, if we, I know, but uh, really? Come on, an independence referendum would be fabulous for not, your job. We're not, you would love reporting on an independence uh, referendum. We're not disputing that there might be a, a referendum, but independence within three years seems optimistic. Can't even get Brexit in three years. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Well, we'll have to see. Oh, okay. You're on. on you're, you're. You're moving towards. Uh, you guys will kind of swing around, don't you? Some of you like arrived here going, "We're going to be out in six months' time. We're going to wreck this place." And then six months later, you're going, mm-hmm, "Okay, maybe we're going to be here for the duration." And then now some of you are swinging back towards, "Oh, we can get out in a few years' time." It's kind of well, very fluid situation. I think after Brexit, it kind of changed everything yeah. pretty much. Um, so I don't think there was. And when I when I was first elected here, it didn't feel like there was another referendum on the cards within yeah. the five years. Um, but since the referendum, it feels more like there's going to be an independence referendum soon. Yeah, uh, I think it's. I wouldn't like to say it's very fluid, isn't it? Like you say it depends on Brexit and there's all sorts of things that could happen. Um, Yorkshire going to have a referendum on independence? Um, Come on, they'd love to. Probably. <laughs> I'm usually the batch, though. I'm Practically not an independent state already, much, isn't it? But um, I'm sure just saying this will get a small fire started. Yeah, Cornwall would. Well, have an independence yeah. referendum. Yeah, I always loved. When really? I was they all voted Tory. No, but they're keen on. No, only the yeah, only the yeah, noisy yeah. ones, yeah. not normal Cornish people. If there's such a thing. Uh, no, I think uh, I quite I, I always enjoyed the occasional kind of coverage of uh, kind of a cross Celtic story when the uh, SNP yeah. were on the the Cornwall side, and I think Levin Kerno. Yeah, the uh, Celtic League they used to be when I was working in Scotland, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, Brittany, Cornwall, Isle of Man, Isle of Man got in on it. Um, Okay, uh, well, on that bombshell that Cornwall's going to have an independence referendum, let's also quickly talk about some blankets. I don't really know exactly what this is, but it's worth mentioning. Yes. There's some sort of uh, auction of Woolly Hogs blankets yes. for the so, Joe Cox Memorial Fund, which sounds like a very, very good thing indeed. I've been involved with a charity called Woolly Hogs for a long time. That's a good name um, for a charity. Isn't it great? So what Woolly Hogs do is lots of people make blanket squares and they all post them to Woolly Hogs oh, and right. Woolly Hogs joins them together yeah. and then um, they give them to families that have been bereaved or they oh, yeah. um, give them to refugees or they give them to children who've got cancer in foreign countries mm-hmm. or to they've got some relationships with hospitals as well to for children that are long-term in hospital. So they do a huge number of blankets. But um, after Joe Cox was murdered, um, there was kind of 
obviously there was this massive outpouring of grief from everybody and nobody mm. quite knew where to point their attentions. And Wooly Hog said, right, what we'll do is we'll make blankets for each of Joe Cox's children. Okay. Um, and if we get any extra squares, we'll make a blanket and auction it for Hope Not Hate. Right. Um, so that was the intention. And then they got so many squares that they managed to make two blankets to auction right. for Hope Not Hate. Okay. So the auction is ongoing right now. Right. Um, so if you look up Wooly Hugs on Facebook, it's W-O-O-L-L-Y. Hugs, yeah, and um, then you'll be able to see the the auction page. On and you involved how? You did you? Make I used a square? to make blankets. I didn't make one for this um, project because I've got less time than I used What's to have. What sort of blankets? Um, you like a, I don't know. Is it quilting or sewing or? Uh, no, I don't it's, it's crochet and knitting. Crochet. So they're all wooly, you see. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Very nice. Um, so that makes sense. Um, very good. Okay, and so you can go on Facebook and. Bid for Please them do. There, last time wish. I checked, they were each about two hundred and thirty pounds. Okay. The blankets. Uh, they are phenomenal blankets. They're amazing. If I, and I've seen them in real life, they look even better in real life than they do in the pictures. Um, and presumably through that site, if you, even if you don't want a blanket, you can give them a fiver or something. Yes, you or can. Send in a square for another blanket Absolutely. for somebody else or something like that. Cool. That sounds very uh, worthy indeed. Thank you. And it's um, nearly Christmas, so it's very apt. Uh, okay, uh, I will say uh, on that thank you to my guests Kirsty Blackman and okay. Kate Langston. And if you want to get in touch to discuss anything, I am politicalyeti at gmail.com or at politicalyeti on Twitter. Uh, like and subscribe is apparently the thing you have to say at the end of iTunes, <laughs> of, of end of podcasts. Um, and uh, tune in next week for another of Political Yeti's Politics podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>